guys welcome to another episode of the caring classroom this is our second interview in the series on building belonging uh, today's episode is called do i see myself here and i've chosen to include this interview next because i think that the more research i've done and the more talking i did with people the more i realized that belonging is so much to do with a school culture and so I talked about that quite a bit with my fellow interviewee so this is a look at belonging from an administrator's point of view so this person was um, a school principal for a long time and now works in um, a school district office as an associate superintendent so um, he is a very quiet and calm and wonderful leader. Uh, he is incredibly kind. He's full of wisdom and grace. And uh, he's going to share with us some of his insights on school culture and things like that. So have a listen and let me know what you think. Okay. Well, thank you so much for agreeing to be on my podcast. I'm really excited to chat with you today. Awesome. Yeah. So do you want to start with telling uh, telling us a little bit about who you are and kind of your educational experience? You bet. Um, would you like me to talk about like my whole educational experience? Well, let's say I'll give you I'll give you five minutes. Okay, you can talk about any education thing you want. OK. <laughs> well, first, um, I am I'm a systems administrator now. I work in a central office. Um, but my, my journey to that is probably different than most people. Um, I, uh, I'm a product of the old special education system, which is great. Uh, um, uh, but I didn't go to school in traditional classrooms. Um, I was in a quite a small classroom with a, one teacher for yeah. most of the school day, especially through high school. I went to a little elementary school. I think there were seven kids in my grade all, and we went from kindergarten to grade seven together, and then we ended up at the high school, and uh, our high school started in grade eight, where I grew up, and and so just had a probably a very non-traditional um, mm -hmm. education experience. Um, I was lucky enough um, along that journey to get into university partly because somebody believed in me and called the Dean of Admissions and helped me get in. Okay. And uh, it was at that time, um, I, th I think probably before, but I don't recall just because of age and things sure. like that. Um, but it was at that time that I was given an official diagnosis with a learning disability in university. But not and, before that. Well, not that I recall. I think okay. people suspected <laughs> issues and things like that. But, but for me, that's when I remember. Mm -hmm. um, and still have the documentation that sure. here are all the exam all the tests I took and and um, on a rating of one to ten I'm probably about a nine and a half in the area of being dyslexic. Okay. And so um, that was an interesting challenge for me. So I uh, went through my university experience um, and got a teaching degree in physical education and a minor in teaching world geography. Okay. And I have never taught a physical education <laughs> class. I was going to say. In 20-some years of teaching. Yeah. Um, I started my teaching career actually working for a youth in custody program okay. in the States. And so I taught at a, at a lockup facility. I taught at a group home for boys. And then I taught at another little school part of the day 
that was for what we would call safe school violators. Okay. And they were in my building working their way back into the public education system. Okay. And so I taught there for a while. And so a lot of those kids had learning challenges. And so that was an interesting experience to sure. reflect on my own learning and to um, understand them a little bit and, and maybe even why they were in trouble. Um, mm -hmm. And some of that had to do with maybe learning and things like that. So, uh, and I taught there for three years and then there, I actually really liked it. I might even still be there, except there was some changes in division boundaries and things like that. And okay. so I then was put in a, it was a school for uh, a large, I wouldn't say junior high or middle, it was an eight and nine school is wow. all it was. Okay. And so it was uh, about 1,200 kids. And I taught uh, six periods a day, uh, ancient world history and world geography. Okay. And so that's really where I spent most of my time, my teaching time. Um, and then from there, I became the vice principal of that school. And then on a whim, I applied for a job in another country, Canada, <laughs> and came here and have been here for 10 years now as a principal of a junior high, high school, and now in our central office. Wow. So, okay. Yeah. Cool. Okay, so this is kind of a switching gears a little bit in terms of questions, but can you tell a story of a time, maybe in that time, maybe in school, maybe not in school, but a time where you really felt like you belonged? Where I felt like I really belonged. Yeah. Well, um, I, uh, so when I went to uh, Utah State, um, was the university I went to, and while I was there, um, I had the opportunity, and again, I may be unique, and you know, most days I don't look like this, but I actually um, would say I'm a cowboy. Um, <laughs> I love horses and spend a lot of time with horses. And so I actually started there, and and uh, I had an opportunity to take a, an equine class. And while I was there, the teacher recognized that I had some ability and some past experience and things like that. So he offered me a position um, to be his teaching assistant. And so that was like a real, for me at, at university, which was not something that I ever thought I would do, mm -hmm. um, that uh, created a, a sense of belonging because it was, it was what I identified with and recognized and that I really, it was a place to go every day after I had done mm -hmm. my my coursework, I went down there and worked and taught kids. And yeah. and so it was just a piece of me that I didn't think that would happen at university um, where I could just be be me. I could wear my cowboy boots and yeah. my, my Wrangler jeans and my hat and, and teach kids about horses and something that I was passionate about. And so it really did it create an identity and a sense of belonging yeah. and probably even a bigger belonging to that I belong to Utah State because I... Yeah. was able to be part of that program and participate in that. So Yeah, uh, and there probably was, correct me if I'm wrong, but some feeling that maybe you didn't belong outside of there, right? If, if it was quite a journey for you to get into the school in the oh, first yeah. place. And so then to have a place where not just like you were doing okay, but like you were excelling and teaching other people yeah. and all these things, yeah, right? Sure. That it kind of built on the skills and the love that you have for something, right? Yeah. Cool. So that would maybe be the same um, on the other side of that. So when I went to university, mm -hmm. I, I mentioned that I got in because uh, um, somebody believed in me. Yeah. But then when I got there, the sense of belonging wasn't like a university campus for, for a guy like me. 
was yeah. the scariest place in the world. Yeah. And I didn't, um, I didn't go there. Um, I didn't have roommates. I didn't have mm-hmm. uh, a family that was attending the school. I didn't know the school at all. Yeah. Uh, I showed up. Uh, literally, I had $1,200 in my pocket to pay tuition and buy books. Yeah. Uh, I had borrowed my parents' car. I had an uncle there. Um, and he had a large family but said I could live with them. Okay. Um, and I, I lived in the garage uh, and slept on a mattress on the floor. Oh, my gosh. And so, so for a while, that why am I here? And yeah. this, isn't, this isn't me. Like, I'm... Uh, and then to be kind of um, struggle with the coursework for a while, yeah, um, and things like that. So yeah, that the opposite feeling yeah, of like I don't belong exactly. here at all, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. interesting. So okay. yeah. so in a lot of the thinking that I've done around belonging and trying to build belonging in schools and with students, one of the things I ended up wondering was: is it even possible to build belonging? right? Is it an individual choice? Like I'm choosing to belong and I'm making choices to get along with people? Or is it a thing that an institution can build? Do you think it's possible to cultivate belonging? I, I, I do think it's possible. Um, I think uh, lots of schools and school divisions and, and institutions of education have probably somewhere in a mission statement that this is a safe, caring, and, and et cetera, et cetera, place. They might say uh, it. They, they yeah. might say that. So, yeah. so then the question is, what do we believe deep in our, our being? Do we really create that? And, and I think, I think pe- um, places can locate that uh, or build that sense of belonging in the sense of when a, when a student walks in the building, what do they identify with as this is, this is my place? Um, it might be that um, they're greeted by name. Mm-hmm. It might be that there's things that represent their cultural background or their family or their 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 belief system. It might not be religious, but but their belief system. Um, the idea of cultivating a culture of belonging, really, if you think about home, and when you walk into your your parents' home or your home, um, we all have a sense that we belong there. Yeah. Generally speaking, and so how do we kind of move that environment into a a learning situation or a learning institution uh, and, and things like that. So we've all been in those teachers' classrooms where you like walk in and you're like, I'm comfortable here. Yeah. And then we've walked in those other classrooms that we're like, Gee, I, don't I just want to get out of here. here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I do yeah. think it, it is possible to, to cultivate that, that culture of, of belonging in, in a school okay. or, or in a system even. Yeah. So, yeah. So, again, switching gears a little bit to a specific, the context that you are in right now, what do you think belonging looks like in this school district? Or have you seen examples of really great belonging, without naming names, but... Yeah, for sure. I, I think um, in our current situation in our district, um, staff are, and, and school leaders especially are working really hard to cultivate that um, culture of belonging. And so... Um, the idea that, uh, you know, what are, what are seating arrangements in classrooms look like? Mm-hmm. Um, what does the artwork in the classroom look like? Um, what does the, um, I, I'll say the word calming space. It's used a lot. It's different terms, but yeah, yeah. what does the calming space even look like? Is it a place mm-hmm. I recognize myself at? Who do we invite into the building? 
yeah. uh, in the case of speakers and, and uh, uh, support and activities. Uh, and so I think um, the, the, the school leaders that we have in place right now are really trying to create that culture of it doesn't matter who you are when you walk in your building, you recognize something about yourself mm-hmm. and you see yourself in that building um, excelling and, and trying to be successful and, and, and be there. Um, and, and it's interesting that, and I'm sure it's similar in other divisions, every school has a different culture. Yeah. Every school has that different sense of belonging. And, and it might be that my, I have uh, some daughters who have all gone to school here and it might be, they were comfortable here, but maybe they moved to another school and, and, they, would. and they might not fit there as well. Mm-hmm. But I, that said, I do think that we are working hard to make that the same too, that, that no matter what school you go to, you would find a sense of belonging yeah. in, in some schools. Yeah. We just had a, a meeting with lots of our administrators and they listed off what extra and co-curricular things they're doing, you know, from from archery clubs to drum lines to um, uh, First Nation drum groups, mm, cool. um, dance groups, like like mm-hmm. it's expanding to say this is a place that you can belong. Yeah. And so um, trying to identify those things, and I, I think they're working hard at it. Yeah, that's really cool. I think people are often talking about building a sense of community and they might not use the word belonging, but I think that they're doing that. And my question with that is always, how do you actually know that students feel like they belong? That is a good question. Um, I'll give you the, the, the way you can do it okay. and the way we have done that. Okay. And some of that is just by student voice and the uh, opportunity to go in and to sit with and, and really talk to kids. So as, as a administration from our, our district level, we've gone into all of our high schools and had our uh, selected groups of kids come and and we served them some pizza and then we actually just asked them questions. Yeah, um, we did it so they could do it anonymously on I think Mentimeter was the the way we did that and they could just answer questions mm-hmm. about what they thought about their school, what okay. they wish their school principal knew, okay. what what they felt about their their teachers. Uh, do they have a one trusted adult in the building that they would go to? Who is that yeah. person? Um, you know, who has an impact on you? We talked about barriers to coming to school with those groups of kids and and things like that. So one one is is student voice. Okay. Um, the other is just how does your school feel? Mm-hmm. You know, as a, as an administrator, um, you know, I tried to be. Uh, out in the hallways um, before and after school, during lunch, mm-hmm. and just really observe and watch kids. And and at times, there were times where I said, I don't think we're doing a very good job. Mm-hmm. And other times, uh, you know, um, I think we did a very good job of making yeah. kids feel like they belong to that school mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and then trying to think, okay, what do we, what do we need to do different? And, mm-hmm. Institute those those kinds of things, but um, I think uh, I think if it was me and I had the perfect world, right? I think every teacher would know every kid's name, yeah. 
that especially that they teach. Yeah. And there's so much connection to knowing a name and being able to say someone's name when you mm -hmm. see them in the morning. Uh, do that quick check-in when they're coming into your mm -hmm. classroom. Oh, they're mm -hmm. off today. What are we going to do about that during class? Or, oh, they're, they're really hyped up today. <laughs> what yeah. are we going to do different? But yeah. really identify those 25 or 30 kids coming in your room and being able to say, what am I going to do for them today? Yeah. And so at this level, you have to look at it a different way and say, okay, what am I going to do across the system yeah. to say, what am I going to do for kids today? Yeah. And, uh, when you don't always see kids every day, right? Like <laughs> That's pretty weird for me. Yeah. Um, the first time yeah. I looked out my window and I saw kids coming down the hill from our high school yeah. and I'm like, school happened. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what did I, and so then I asked myself, what did I do today? that will impact the lives of the kids yeah. and, you know, in this conversation about belonging. So, you know, when we talk about, um, you know, uh, my, my position is mostly over inclusive education, which mm -hmm. is a broad thing, mm -hmm. um, more than just learning. So what am I doing to improve that system so that all kids feel like they can belong in our schools? Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Um, when I was starting this project originally, it was a lot about, um, the students who are falling through the cracks. So not the behavior kids who are in your face every day and are, you know, sitting in your office every day, not the, the top students who are getting straight A's or whatever, but the ones who just kind of fall under the radar. Mm -hmm. And I found in my experience that a lot of those kids were the ones who, not always, but sometimes they would stop attending or they'd get sick for a week and then they would get sick for two weeks and then they kind of yeah. and so I kind of termed them vulnerable students yeah, for right sure. so yeah. for, for whatever reason they're vulnerable um so in your experiences what are the most common reasons that people that students stop attending have poor attendance or like early dropout things like that in the school district but also just in your own experience well I think uh if, I, if I'm just thinking about poor attendance and it, it, it unfortunately becomes a habit yeah and, and so you talk about a kid who's sick for four or five days and then the idea of catching up or whatever um, starts to get more difficult and so mm -hmm. then I start missing a little more it probably happens in their later years of junior high um, in those kinds of situations and then filters into high school mm -hmm. um, and then you know those early dropout kids so so probably if I was to look at our, our district and some of the struggles that we have, um, lots of it relates probably to, to trauma okay. and those kids who have experienced some type of trauma. And I know there's a broad definition and we could have a whole other conversation about, about, about trauma, but I really do think that that plays a critical role in attendance and, uh, and that crosses many cultural boundaries. Yeah. Um, you know, you and I had the chance to work together for a little while and, mm -hmm. and there are kids that we probably can think of that, uh, during the school year, uh, families, um, parted ways, mom and dad, and, and pretty soon a good attender is a poor attender. Yeah. And then sometimes it's hard to rebound, uh, from that, um, as a student. And then you, you're dealing with all of those situations, maybe moving, maybe, just the questions about what comes from that mm -hmm. and then um, the, the habit of not attending becomes easier than attending and you start to 
uh, get further behind and and then if you move into high school and you're further behind it's easier to not go and mm -hmm. and kids start to to drop out and and i can think of uh several situations of of, of kids that uh, have dealt with those kinds of things and so it goes back to our first part of our conversation though is uh, as a classroom teacher and as a system how do you support a kid who finally after a couple of weeks walks back in your room yeah and you say welcome and here's how we're going to help you and here's how we're going to get you caught up uh, versus where you been and uh yeah you know you'll need to see me after school to get all this made up yeah and and really starting with the kid where they're at and moving yeah. them forward from there yeah um is, is a big thing so um those are those are some of the reasons i, I would say that somehow tied to poor attendance in in our areas is is probably related to the trauma piece and mm -hmm. and then that can get the ball rolling on lots of other things but yeah. but it seems yeah. to me that that would be where mm -hmm. where things would start yeah and i think what i found too was on the off chance that those kids would come back it's such a drastic like splash of cold water in the face yeah. when they walk in that door right and that first person they see that yeah. says oh my gosh, I'm so glad to see you here. Or, well, right. you've been gone a long time. Yeah, exactly. and, and like that that first thing is enough to make them turn around and walk out the door or yeah. say, hey, maybe this, maybe people missed me here. Yeah. Maybe people care that I wasn't here and not just because I'm a, I'm a zero on their mark book, but because I'm important. But I think that ties into some of the other work and, and uh, is what happens when a kid has missed your class three days in a row. Um, hopefully, um, and it's going to range from probably school to school, but hopefully a classroom teacher is really making that phone call and reaching out and saying, uh, I need to just check, check in, in on you, care about you, sorry you haven't been here, what can we do to support you? Um, you know, uh, schools, uh, a lot of our schools send letters home saying, you know, we're just checking on them, mm -hmm. they need I think our, I think working on changing that that tone. I can go from my, I'll go from myself and and say you know a hard nose, you know school's a privilege. You better be here, <laughs> and if you don't, if you missed eight days, you have to have a meeting with the administration. And if you miss twelve, yeah. you know you go down this long list of, of more in the area of, of penalizing for missing. Yeah, and you just create that anxiety of going back anyway, mm -hmm. and so. Um, transitioning that system to this is a caring environment we want you here what can we do to help you get through this hard time yeah. um, sending uh, FSLCs our, our school counselors mm -hmm. out to um, homes to uh -huh. check on kids and make those visits and at least report back that we know what's going on um, trying to invite parents to, to come in and meet with us mm -hmm. um, and just really again trying to create that sense of we need you, and we we want you in our system, and and have you have you here. Yeah. So. Hmm. And I think that that's really powerful. And I found that in the few, I didn't do it that often because I'm not a phone call person. If you yeah. remember, I I, I struggle <laughs> with making phone calls. But in the in the instances where I called home and I just said, "Hey, we really missed you," or "We we really missed your kid," almost always the kid would be there the next day. Yeah. 
right? They want they want someone to know they're they're watching them and they and they care that they're not there, right? Well, and on the other hand, if if no one ever calls to check on me other than the automated system, then I'm not missed there. Yeah. Then what am I? Then what am I doing there? Yeah. Why should I bother coming? Yeah. Right. I think yeah. That's huge. Hmm. And and that's a. I mean, let's be honest. That's a bit of a tricky part because sure. You know, a, a teacher works all day, and then they got to sit down and make a few phone calls, and oh, yeah. and not that they can't or whatever, but it does. It it, it has to be something that's very deliberate. Um, yeah. We we do this. This is the culture. We yeah. we check on our people and yeah. see that they're successful yeah. here. And I mean, I I like to think of myself as an educator who is pretty caring and pretty with it and involved. But at the same time, for every kid that I called home for, I'm sure there was one oh, that I should have called for home sure. for, even if they were there, yeah. right? And they still, you can still tell, hey, this kid doesn't belong. <laughs> yeah, they were. This kid doesn't want to be here, but someone forced them out the door, yeah. forced them on the bus, right? And yeah. and that's that's an issue too, right? Even if they're there, they're physically present. That doesn't mean that they're really there. Well, right? and, I, and I, I mean. This might be off topic just a little bit, but it goes into that direction of you never know what's going on. And so, you know, they might be in your classroom, but not there. And, mm-hmm. and so that goes back to that conversation we had earlier about belonging and just making sure that you are checking in and you are, yeah. are you okay? And what can I do to support you? And, mm-hmm. and, 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 and maybe it's nothing, but maybe it really is something that, yeah. that you can do. And yeah. they might respond by saying nothing, just thanks for caring. Yeah. And that's all they need. Yeah. And tomorrow they might be on, on yeah. it or they might. It might be the whole of grade seven that isn't, a, isn't, isn't a good year. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. So, so we can help those kids. Yeah. And I think, too, it's important to ask more than once. Yeah. Like I had a student where, where I was teaching out in BC where I would ask her every day, are, are you all right? Like, do you need anything from me? Can I help? And she would say, no, no, no. And then one day she just burst into tears yeah. and just had all of the story and all, just a lot, yeah. like more than I had ever heard a student give me before that I was just like, oh my goodness. <laughs> you weren't ready I, I wasn't quite ready. I was hoping it would be like, I, you know, I can't get my locker open, but it wasn't that. Yeah. Um, but if I hadn't, I know that if I hadn't asked her every day, yeah. And, and in a caring way, not in a nagging sort no, of way, right? That that then she would never have opened up to do that. And yeah. so, but that too is really hard as a teacher if you have 150 students. Yeah. And every day you try to ask everyone, yeah. hey, are you doing okay? That would take your whole day. Yeah. Like you, you wouldn't teach anything. Yeah. You, well, I mean, not any curriculum. <laughs> I think you teach a lot of other important things. things. Yeah. But uh, not the things that are, are check boxes. Yeah. Okay, so this might be a controversial question. But it's anonymous. We haven't said your name. We don't know where where you are. Right. In in the school context that you work in, what's missing from this strategy? Like what kids are still falling through the cracks? What are you going? Here's a whole of students or of something that like yeah. we are not we are not meeting the needs of these students. I would I, I think right now it's our and we're we're looking at it, but it's not. We're not perfect at it, and it mm-hmm. really is the idea of probably of the follow up piece. Like when a kid is gone, and let's let's say we're on the extreme end of things, a kid's gone for three weeks. Okay. What what systems do we have in place to one go and get them back, and then support them? Uh, you know. To, to overcome the challenges that come with missing three weeks. Um, 
and and to really to 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 follow up with those kids and rather than well they haven't been here and they're you know that's that's their issue and that's their parents mm-hmm. issue and um but really i think uh trying to take very personally um that this kid is not here mm-hmm. and and trying to work on that and so um we have been doing some background work with some other school divisions uh, that we work closely with on what are their kind of attendance protocols yeah. and when do certain systems kick in within those protocols. Yeah. Um, and so trying to find ways to, to meet those kids' needs and to identify them. Um, and then there's always um, some, some cultural boundaries and trying to understand those and and to right. make those not part of the reason to miss school. Um, yeah. To, to understand that, again, back to that belonging piece, but I can see myself here. Mm-hmm. And if I can see myself, this might sound weird, taste myself, smell myself, whatever. <laughs> but if, yeah. if I can see myself here and this is my home, then I'll want to be there. Mm-hmm. So working on both of those two things at the, at the same time and trying to put those, uh, those systems and I don't really like the word systems because it's very personal mm-hmm. and, and, and putting that personal touch, mm-hmm. but, but a system that kicks in yeah. when something yeah. when something isn't right. Without a system, things fall through the cracks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Even if the things are, are humans that yeah. we care about and yeah. love. So, yeah. 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 I get that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's some work uh, that we're we're doing. I mentioned when you walked in this big folder, and, <laughs> and some of that all ties in together yeah. into okay. looking at that as yeah. a system wide approach mm-hmm. to to addressing kids and their needs, mm-hmm. and especially when they they quit attending. Yeah. We've started having some uh, professional development in our admin teams around uh, uh, anxiety, and especially anxiety around school, oh, yeah. some depression, and then what we would call school refusal. So when a kid finally says, I'm done going to school. Yeah. So we started doing some professional development wow. work around that. Yeah. Um, and hopefully we'll, we'll build on that. And then that fits into the system piece. Yeah. So. Interesting. Okay. So now to bring it back to the more personal again, because I do truly believe that often we are the type of teachers that, that we needed and maybe got and maybe didn't. Yeah. Like I had a counselor years ago, when I was like doing, going through the faculty event, and she said, okay, what what kind of students are you gonna look out for? And I'm like, oh, well, so students who have a lot of anxiety, students who are pretty high functioning, but maybe don't have a lot of friends. And she said, and why do you care about those kids? I said, well, cause I was that kid and people didn't care about me. And, and so there is kind of this deeply personal piece yeah. to go along with belonging and, and building this whole culture of it. Um, so what is something that you need in order to feel like you belong? Well, I'm pretty easygoing. You are pretty easygoing. <laughs> I actually don't know that I need, I personally need a lot to feel like I, I belong. Um, I, I think like everybody, I like to be recognized for the, the work that I do, mm-hmm. but I don't want it to be... Um, like a fanfare. Yeah, I don't want fanfare. Yeah. I just want somebody to walk by and say, hey, good job. Yeah. Um, that kind of thing, or really appreciate the extra time or mm-hmm. whatever, or um, things like that. But one of the other things that might, might sound weird, but I also like to be called out a little bit. Like if I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing, tell me. Hmm. And, and, and the reason that may be a sense of belonging for me 
is because I like to push myself. Yeah. And I don't ever want to be comfortable anywhere. Mm -hmm. And as you already can tell, I, you know, I'm at my sixth job <laughs> in education in, yeah. in 20 years. Yeah. That's not a very good track record. But <laughs> or it's, it's a great track record. But, <laughs> but it's because I don't want to get yeah. comfortable and mm -hmm. I don't, I want people to push me. And I, and I do push myself, but I really want people to say, I need this. Can you do it for me? Mm -hmm. And so that's probably where I get my sense yeah. of belonging. Not like, hey, you're really screwing up. You're yeah. doing a bad job. But, yeah. hey, think about this. What yeah, you, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's cool. that's kind of where, where mine comes from. And, and that's yeah. both in education and in other things I, I do in my, my life. Right? Mm -hmm. So I like to ask questions and then. And then have somebody push me on that. Yeah. So that's probably where yeah. I get my belonging from. Cool. Okay. Yeah. That's really interesting. So my hope is that with this podcast, people will um, listen to it instead of ignore my final paper <laughs> if I was doing it yeah. as a final yeah, paper. Um, so so if people are listening to this and they're saying, okay, I just, I want to build more belonging in my classroom, in my school district, in our school, what is like the one thing, like go to, what would you recommend that they do? Honestly, it's simple, really. I think you have to just know your students and know their names and, and, and then take time to get to know them. And I know, I know we all have curriculum and I know there's demands of a school day, but, but there are ways built into that um, if you're a teacher and you design it in your classroom and in your system mm -hmm. to just to get to know people. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I love when I go in a classroom and I can see multiple things happening in that classroom. And I really know they're all designed for each kid. Yeah. And then a teacher knows uh, that kid's strengths and weaknesses. Mm -hmm. And they're being addressed in how that kid's learning. Mm -hmm. And and how could a kid not want to come to that classroom when they know the teacher knows them and is designing things around them in the classroom? And then, and then there's the structural piece, you know. Mm -hmm. um, what does it look like in the classroom that represents me? Mm -hmm. um, what does it look like? Uh, what's available in the school that's for me? Um, and so, so sitting back and, and really reflecting. Um, if, a, if a school principal and, and their admin team or their teacher team sit back and say, when someone walks in our front door and no one's here, do they look around and say, this is a place I want to be? Mm -hmm. Or they look around and say, I'm going right back out the way that I came. Yeah. And if you really, if, if somebody really feels that when they walk in a door of a school and then you narrow that down to a classroom mm -hmm. um, and, and no one's around and I walk in that classroom and say, this is a place I want to sit and learn. Then imagine when we have a caring teacher who knows you and works with you or a caring principal or school mm -hmm. admin team, mm -hmm. it changes that school environment. Absolutely. And, uh, and so that, that's really where I, I think it, it works. Cool. Okay. Well, we're, we're almost done, but I do have to validate you for a second. Okay. Because Austin was my very first principal on my very first job. And in terms of knowing kids, I don't know that anyone knew kids as well as you did. And so for me as a, as a beginning teacher that I could come into your office and say, I don't know what is happening with this kid? Can you just please give me some information about this kid? And you could, and it was the most helpful thing someone could do without without adding the burden of, well, this kid is bad at this, and this kid has really struggled with these teachers, but just like, here's their story. And, and that, to me, was so incredibly powerful and has really filtered into 
how I teach everywhere I go, that you need to learn a kid's story in order to help them learn and grow. And I think that you are tremendously good at that. So so thank you very much for, for teaching me that and for talking with us today. No it's awesome. Well, thank you. I, I'm going to give credit maybe to a couple of teachers of mine that, sure. that probably uh, instilled that to me. I'm, I'm not going to use their names, but mm -hmm. uh, I had a teacher that when I was in fourth grade and one of those times where I was probably struggling with, with uh, belonging, um, not that I didn't think I belonged in my school, but my learning challenges sure. and things like that. And I remember her coming to my house for my birthday party. Really? And, and, and I didn't have very many friends come and it sure. was mostly our family, but she came. Yeah. And I can even remember what she gave me for a gift. It was, it was a box of after eights. <laughs> And, uh, okay. And, and and I just remember how that made me feel, and I tried really hard to be. She was my my fourth grade teacher and our school principal, okay. and so I, I remember how that made me feel. I had a couple others along the way in high school that I felt really pushed me and believed in me, and uh, one was a you know we again that sense of belonging, but one was a, a coach mm -hmm. and uh, and a classroom teacher, and just one of those guys that you could just talk to, and he knew your story, yeah. and and all of that so so that's probably where I thought you know what you really it's a, a, about knowing people and, and meet them where they're at and and try and take them somewhere they didn't yeah. think they could go so yeah awesome hmm. yeah I agree because they're like I don't know where we would be if we didn't care about kids that way no that's, right? yeah that's it'd be, yeah. A, it'd be a bad job it would be a bad job. There would be no reason to, to do this yeah, job, I don't yeah. think. So. And, and that's the funnest part, I think, is just knowing kids. Oh, like, yeah. Like when you can sit and know their story. And, and definitely I've made my mistakes. I've, sure. I've tried to be the hard nose. Yeah. I've tried to be the, the good cop, bad cop. Yeah. I've tried all those things. But in, in the end, as I probably matured in my own thinking and my own understanding, and of course, hopefully you're doing some reading and all of those kind of things. And, and if, if, if teaching doesn't change you over a period of your career as a person, then it could be a long career. Yeah. And so definitely try and approach kids a lot different than I, I, I did originally. And mm -hmm. I still have bad dates. Oh, yeah. There's still <laughs> yeah. days when people are annoying, yeah, you know? Yeah, exactly. Fire <laughs> alarm gets pulled during a, oh, a, a diploma exam. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're, Dang. You're yeah. a little on edge when you find yeah. a kid that pulls sure. the fire yeah, alarm. Yeah, yeah. But, you know. Tell me your story, kid. Why Why did you do that this morning, right? Anyway. Interesting. Awesome. Well, thank you so no, much. This you. was wonderful. I appreciate it.